All right. Uh, I know this is an unusual start to the podcast, but uh, I miss my dog, Frank. We haven't seen him. I, I haven't really seen him physically in a while. So we're not going to hit y'all with the preamble BS that we would normally do. We're going to jump right into it. So, hey, Frank, you ready to chop it up? Let's chop it up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and those in between and outside of those constructs, welcome to another episode of the Samurai Professionals Podcast, episode 20. 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. God damn. I'm your host, Marvin, and the man to the right of me can only be... Frank, let's chop it up. Let's chop it up. So, yeah, as I said, guys, um, it's it had been a minute. I, I know some people opened up their podcast app. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Spotify, and uh, something was missing. I'm, I'm sure you looked. You were like, "Okay, let me refresh." Maybe the boys didn't didn't load it up, and and then you seen the tweet go out that uh, there was a life changing event that that kept us from recording last week. I'm gonna go ahead and let the man of the hour take it away and open up and let us know about the life changing event. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so last week, there was a new addition added to the family. My daughter, Faye, was born. Just spent my time being a new father again. So now I got two babies in the house that's under the age of two. So if anybody else that's parents out there, you understand that is very um, time-consuming and a huge task to take on. I mean, all is well. My daughter was born happy and healthy. And uh, my wife is good, my family is good, and we're blessed. This time around, giving birth was a different experience than the first. Um, when my first daughter was born, hospital wasn't on lockdown. You had people coming in and out. Uh, when my wife went into labor, she had her family in the room with her. It was me, it was her sister, her, her mother. We was all there to witness the birth of my first daughter. This time around, things were way different. Like, uh, when I dropped my wife off at the hospital, I couldn't even go in the room with her. I went, my wife told me, like, hey, due to new um, precautions, you can't park. Like, the plan was, in my head, I'm going to park the car like I did last time. We're going to walk up together. We're going to get checked in together, and I'm going to be with her the whole way. And she told me, she's like, nah, you can't do that. Just drop me off and go park the car. They're going to make you wait in the lobby. And I'm like, you know, why? And she's like, they have to test me for COVID. And if, I, if, if I'm negative, then, you know, they'll put me in a room. If I'm positive, they'll put me in a different room. But if I'm negative, they'll put me in a room. And then they'll, they'll have me call you and say, hey, I'm clear. You can come up. And I was like, well, do I have to get tested? And she was like, no, because their thought process is we're in the same house together. So if you pass more than likely this person passed and i guess this is done to save on testing understood understood the logic makes sense right this and this was late like this uh between 1 30 and 2 in the morning dropped her off went and parked the car came back she was up in the room or whatever and i sat in the lobby what felt like about an hour and a half to two hours or so wow. finally got the call to uh go up went up she was in the room um and when I got to the room, you know, they were, the nurses and stuff was making sure she was comfortable and all that. And then um, at that point, it's just a waiting game. Like I said, it started at two. My daughter was born at 9.07. So it, although Ooh, relatively boy. speaking, 
that wasn't that long. There's some people that go into labor and they're in labor for like, I mean, 12, 24. I think the craziest I've heard was something like almost two days. It was, I think it was like over 30 hours or something like that. So there's some, there's some women that really go through some, some stuff. And again, like I said, the, the, the first time she was surrounded by family this time it was me and the nurses and we're all wearing masks. It just, it was just different, especially considering my, my, my firstborn was, she was born just last year um, in March, 2019. So the very next year is a completely different experience. Um, But luckily, thankfully my baby was born, you know, happy and healthy and, we spent the next two days in the hospital making sure everything was good. They gave her um, whatever shots she needed. They ran whatever tests they needed. Everything came back good, and we came home. Um, and then while at home, that's when we had family visitors. But again, not even all family came through. Only and the selected few that you really which were, have. yeah, which was basically the grandparents, um, an aunt and uncle saw you know got a chance to see the baby but that's about it not all the brothers not all the sisters not all the aunts and uncles got a chance to actually meet the baby in person and that's another thing that's different when my first was born i mean in no time were family and friends over to see the baby and you know send their congratulations and well wishes now it's you know hey can i come to the baby and it's like well you went out partying last week. We saw your Instagram feed, so no. <laughs> yeah, now you gotta gotta be. You kind of gotta be a dick about it. Not being a dick, they understand, but you gotta be like. And thankfully, hey, yeah, they all understand. So I ain't trying to call you dirty, but you've been out there in them streets. Yeah, right. <laughs> and as of right now, you belong to the streets. <laughs> right, like, hey, didn't you just come back from New York? I don't know about you right now. Nah, nah, chill, homie. Yeah, right. But yeah, man. So that was the life changing event. And uh, yeah. Hey, man. As as your brother, as your podcast brother, as your boy who's nah, my you, brother, brother. <laughs> as a boy, as a as a man who's known you since we were boys, like 20 years. 20 yeah. years. Congratulations on baby number two, Lil Fei Fei. Can't wait to meet her. You she will, looks, you will. She looks very much like uh like her mom, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think they both look like the mother. My wife doesn't see it, but I think they both look like her, thankfully. Thank- Can you imagine a girl walking around with my face? Bro, don't do yourself. Don't say you're so short. <laughs> don't say you're so short. You could have been a Francis, you know, in another life. Right. Nah, but for real, for real. Congratulations, man. Thank you for carving out this few moments to speak with, with us lonely uh, samurai <laughs> professionals. Uh, hey, no problem, man. We all family. We all hey, family. Man. Can't wait to meet the newest young samurai professional. Definitely. And I appreciate that, man. Thank you, honestly. Nah, man. Nah, man. Get out of here. Uh, that wasn't the life-changing uh, event I was talking about in particular. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen that has been a <laughs> it has been another episode of the samurai professionals i am your host frank the man to the left of me can only be marvin 
I'm not even going to let him speak no more because I already know where this is going. So... I figured he was going to do something like this. I mean, let's And that was not... another thing. I was like, okay, we got two weeks. He's going to have a chance to kind of mellow out. I ain't got to get him on 10. He ain't going to brag. He ain't going to boast. He's going to be cool. I was wrong. I'm going to go ahead and let you talk your shit. Go ahead. All right. Well, I mean... I mean, we did bring home a new addition to the family. Um, when I mean addition, I mean the Lakers brought home uh, baby number 17, our 17th championship. Number six for me personally, as a fully-fledged, well-knowing Laker fan, this was number six for me. And I mean, it was a welcome addition in my family. I mean, you know, I had the lights behind my TV glowing purple and gold all night. That was that one lonely pots and pans that I had went out because I had went out to 103rd Street, East 49th after the championship and I didn't see anybody out there. Um, so that was that one lonely pots and pans that was out there um, celebrating. I guess all the other pots and pans were up in the cupboard with the, you know, the sad dreams of winning the championship for the Miami Heat. Right now I'm looking at Frank with that Tyler Hero uh, snarl face because y'all niggas wanted to kill me with the little meme. So, uh, y'all niggas, who's y'all niggas? Uh, all y'all Heat fans wanted to kill me with the little meme, so. I did not send a single meme your way. I respect Heat Nation. I grew up around Heat Nation. I've been to more Heat games than I have been to Laker games. You've never I, been to LA. First of all, first of all, first of all, I don't, I, <laughs> no, nah, I'm gonna let, no, nah, I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna make sure I turn your laugh up so they can hear you. Now, nah, go ahead, get it up. Oh, okay, I'm gonna stop. No, nah, first of all, first of all, I've never been to LA, that's right. But that don't stop me from being a fan. It doesn't. Um, Lakers has one of those fan bases, I feel, are is national. It doesn't matter if you've been to LA or not. You can be a Laker fan. Same thing with Cowboys and Pittsburgh. Those fan right, bases hold on, are. Hold on, hold on. Don't, throw the, don't, don't throw us in there with the Cowboys. No, I'm saying they have a nationwide appeal. But okay. the Lakers, it makes sense because the Lakers have been winners for a long time. Y'all had that one era where, you know, y'all wasn't that hot. But again, it was like a rebuilding year. Mm -hmm. Every franchise go through that. Some franchises longer than others. Mm -hmm. But uh, y'all back on top now. And I mean, you can't say nothing. It's a well-oiled machine over there. Mm -hmm. um, and from the looks of it, y'all going to be a problem for a while. Because from what I'm hearing... Y'all about to get Chris Paul? Are y'all working on Chris Paul? Hey, hey. All I got to say is... Mm. I'm not surprised because LeBron did say a while ago he wanted to win chips with all his friends. He won one with Wade. He won one with... Uh, I mean, Davis. I guess you can consider Davis a, a, a close friend. Davis has been a fan. Of, Dave, if I'm not mistaken, Davis wears 23 because of him. Right. Remember, he won one Davis went... Davis went to his camp. Davis went to like Le LeBron James camp. Like he's known that kid since he was a kid kid. Okay. So he's won one with Wade. I mean, he really wanted to win one with Paul and Melo. We don't know what's going to happen with Melo. I mean, 
Melo's only on a one-year deal, so he could very well come to L.A. next season if he feels like it. And Chris Paul is still playing. Like, he's still productive. I mean, if you had to evaluate Rondo and Paul, I'm pretty sure most people would say Paul is a better point guard. And you see what Rondo did with us when he felt like getting it going in game six. He really hurt us. Playoff Rondo. So imagine they had Paul. That's going to be a really good-looking team. I don't get into the rumors too much. Like I said. I know you say you don't get into the rumors too much, and you've always been that way. But there's certain rumors when it's – there's certain rumors where it's worth listening to, especially when those rumors feel like it's coming from the clutch sports camp. So if it's coming from LeBron and his peoples, I would say weigh it a little differently. For example, when LeBron signed to L.A. and it was just rumors that Anthony Davis was coming over, when Anthony Davis was still wearing a Pelicans jersey and still playing Pelican minutes, a lot of people was like, oh, okay, that, yeah, that's bullshit. Anthony Davis wouldn't go over there. And more so, they was like, well, if Anthony Davis does go over there, he's a loser because he couldn't do anything in New Orleans. Well, not only did Anthony Davis go over there, Anthony Davis, it was debatable that he deserved the MVP this season over LeBron on that team, which isn't a bad thing. It's just saying how much he contributed to that team. Those rumors, those type of rumors, hold a little bit more weight than others. So I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if Chris Paul is wearing a purple and gold jersey. Hell, he was supposed to have been wearing a purple and gold jersey for the longest. We're not going to talk about that. Because let okay, me tell you, I'll leave that nothing, nothing fuck with me the most during the rebuild, during our, during our time, when, we were, when I went to sleep and Chris, I, I was getting ready for bed. Chris Paul was traded to the Lakers. I went to sleep, woke up, and Chris Paul's trade was reversed all the way back then when Kobe was around. So believe me, nothing, nothing upsets me the most. But I'm going to look at you, at you as a Heat fan and go, Aah. speaking of Tyler Hero, um, uh, Kuzma wanted me to uh, play the intro for Hit Him Up for him just one time for the one time. I'm sure you know how to hit him up start. Oh, you don't know how to you gonna you act like you gonna act like you don't know how to intro to hit him up start? Oh, I do know. I All do right. know. All right. We talked about it last episode. <laughs> I know just how wanna, it start. I just I just want to throw that out there. Nah, but respect, respect. I, I think y'all got a star, a young, a young scorer. Now he need to work on his defense, but y'all got a young scorer when it comes oh, yeah. to Tyler Hero. Um, I'm not guaranteed y'all gonna keep him. Um, because yeah, he's, he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a value piece and he's young, so I guarantee y'all to keep him. But I only have one one thing left about the Lakers thing, and then we can move on. Go ahead. It's a fuck you, but it's not to you personally. It's a fuck you to COVID, because for the first time in my entire life, and maybe probably something that may never happen again, the championship. The Lakers were in the championship, and my hometown team, the Miami Heat, were in the championship, and I couldn't go to a game. The price, let's say if COVID didn't exist, since the Heat didn't have that kind of star power, them final tickets could have been way more affordable. Imagine the finals. Okay, remember, remember when 
uh, Nike was putting out those commercials with you had the Kobe puppet and the LeBron puppet, and they was really trying to uh, see those guys in the final go up against each other. Now imagine if the Lakers and that Heat team made it to the final. Can you imagine what those tickets would have cost? Bro, it would have been ridiculous. Sitting in the 400 sections, like if you've never been to the AAA, the 400 section is damn near the ceiling. Yeah, in the 400 sections would have been like 150 to 200 dollars. Like, come on, man, that's ridiculous. Way, I think it'd have been way more than that, to be honest. I think them things would have been upwards of uh, 200 to I think they like I'm talking like two thousand two fifty three hundred dollars for tickets to go to those games. When I get bored, I go on StubHub and I will look at tickets like whoever got the Christmas game, like the the peak time Christmas game, where it's like you know, 7 8 p.m. Game. Right, <laughs> Eastern Standard Prime Time. time. <laughs> right. I'll look and see what those floor seats cost. Dude, I remember one year the Lakers were playing. I forgot who. Dude, those floor seats was like 40 grand. Like one ticket. Like, Jesus Christ, that makes no sense. None. Yeah, man. Yeah, and that's and that was the one thing I, I think, I, you know, I, I joke with you about the Heat thing. Like I said, I've been to way more Heat games Dwayne Wade is my second favorite player of all time. I have nothing against the Miami Heat. I was the one who had been saying from, as you know, as you've been on here with me, I've been the one saying, I thought the Heat was supposed to be coming out of the Eastern Conference. I just was that into that team. I really believed in that team. Oh, no. Ain't ain't no no, uh, animosity here. I know how you feel about the Heat. It's like the Lakers is is your 1A. And if, if it ain't the Lakers playing, you'll root for the Heat. But in this case, it was your Lakers and the Heat, no and choice. you picked your side. Yeah, it was. It, it no is choice. what it is. And I was on the opposite end. I mean, I root for the Lakers, too, because my favorite player plays for the Lakers. But in this case, I wanted my Heat to win. But at the same time, I'm not mad. I'm happy for, I'm happy for LeBron. He got his fourth ring. I'm happy for that team. I'm happy for LeBron. I'm happy for Davis. I'm happy for Dwight. Uh, yeah, he redeemed himself for us. That's the thing, man. Um, I don't know what to say about Dwight's career. I just think he he got the raw deal where he had this reputation of just being a goof, if you will. But I, I always felt he was a solid player. I'm um, not. I don't think that was it. Dwight had become very divisive in every locker room he had been joining everywhere he went after after he left Orlando. It happened. It happened for the Lakers. It happened when he went to the Washington Wizards. He like everywhere he bounced around to. That was the thing. It wasn't until and he was and personally, I think it was what he was going through physically, coming back from those back surgeries and all the other shit that he was going through, physically and emotionally. That even this year, you could, I could tell you as someone who watched Dwight when he played for us the first time and watched him now. It was a different Dwight. Like, he was out there having fun with his team. He was support. Like, watching the Lakers bench during the games was so much fun because him and JaVale falling over the little – because, you know, they had that little that little thing in front, the little – Like partition. a barrier, right. Yeah, and they all falling over it for every, like, major play. Like, you could tell that he was – he had accepted his role as, yes, D- Dwight, you are – Dwight Howard now with this ring – is a definite Hall of Famer. That's in my opinion. Because Dwight has the resume even before the ring, but I think this ring solidifies they can't take that from him. And if and I believe he I believe he's gonna keep playing. I hear uh other other teams are already trying to find him and, and get him there. 
But um, if he wanted to retire now, I think he'd be all right. Honestly, I think he was a Hall of Famer before the ring. But the ring definitely does help the Hall of Famer argument. The Lakers are making things happen. And again, it ain't like this man got to this team and say, hey, I'm just going to get to this team and try to win one more. I mean, no, as long as he's healthy, he's going to try to win. And for all the years he's been healthy, minus that one year where he got injured, he was in the finals. It was always his team versus somebody else. Whether his team won it or not, it it always came down to him being there. You mean LeBron? LeBron. So with that being said, it's not far-fetched that they're making moves. Again, he's not stupid. He sees what's going on in Golden State. So he understands, okay, this is someone I need to pay attention to. Before I can even think of finals, I got to think of what are they doing and how can we compete with that? As far as what the Clippers are doing, I mean. Man, whatever. Because all right. y'all who was telling me, everybody was telling me that the Clippers were the real team in L.A. And the Lakers going to have, the Lakers, the one thing that the Lakers don't have is the mental toughness of the Clippers. And we're talking about the Clippers who fell to the Nuggets. And that's no takeaway from them, from them Nuggets boys because those boys, that no, young team is going to be a, they reminded me of that, that scary OKC team who had three MVPs on it. Okay? Right. Like, yo. Though that Murray and those boys, they're gonna be a beast. I saying, I'm saying those boys. I'm sounding like Stephen A. Oh God. <laughs> you, honestly, it's funny. I didn't even know Stephen A. talked like that. Now. Oh, you know he always be like, oh, uh, you know, uh, LeBron James and those boys, or or Steph Curry and those boys. He love those boys when he can't remember the rest of the team. <laughs> but uh, I think nah. you brought up this point. A while ago, but I don't think we re- we got not one matchup people was banking on. I mean, people really wanted to see uh, Lakers and Clippers. Didn't happen. And the East, were mentally tough. Clippers the were East, mentally tough. Right. In the East, I believe they really wanted to see Milwaukee and Boston. That didn't happen. Um, definitely for the finals, they wasn't. I think they would much rather see a you know. Lakers. So especially now that you had the title on the line of franchises, franchise with the most titles, it would have been cool. That could have been a storyline saying, hey, Boston can really one up the Lakers by winning this title. or The Lakers can catch him and tie him. We didn't get that matchup. All in all, we still got good matchups, but it wasn't the matchups on paper people was looking for. Right. And just to close out the that, that portion, yo, I don't care what anybody says. People want to take away from, from this championship. But all I can say is I saw some of the best basketball I have seen in years on that bubble court. And I, I, I stand by that. I feel like we were getting some of people's best games. Jimmy Butler, and this is to everybody who I argued with, saying that Jimmy Butler is a superstar. And I sat there and I was like, I don't know how you don't see that he's a superstar. I've been... Very clear. I, I think I've said on this podcast, I think Jimmy Butler should have been a candidate for the MVP because I don't think anyone completely changed the team the way he had this year. So I hope that solves that argument. Jimmy played out of his mind. He had some of the best finals, in, the best finals uh, performances I've ever seen because Jimmy Butler is your superstar. And start and start treating him like he may not give off that he wants to be a superstar because he don't want the fame, but that boy is a superstar. Give him that. Man, I just I'm excited to see the team follow his leadership next season. Whatever Pat decides to do in his offseason, 
I'm with it. I support Pat. I'm just seeing how far that team came when a lot of people didn't even think we were going to make the playoffs. And this is a similar argument for y'all because I didn't realize how many people said the Lakers weren't going to make the playoffs. Again, me not being a Laker fan, I don't see how the hate and the criticism y'all get. You and Ant pay more attention to that than I do. I see the criticism the Heat get. And the criticism I saw from the Heat where they said uh, Jimmy Butler came here to have his career die. This wasn't a winning team. You know, we suck, blah, 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 blah. So nobody even had us making the playoffs. And I don't need to make the playoffs, but to perform as well as we did in the playoffs, it was it was very satisfying to see, okay, yeah, we didn't beat this team, which hurt. But at the same time, if you look at our roster, like the key pieces to our roster, it's all young guys and you got a strong veteran leader in Jimmy. So it's like, okay, we can really build on this. One piece away. Remember I said it. Y'all are one yeah. piece away. And again, I don't I have all the faith in Pat Riley. He'll know what the right moves to make to keep us competitive. So we'll see what happens next season. I think um the draft and free agency, all that starts like after January first or something like that. So next season is is gonna be here before you know it. Yeah. Because we don't have enough. To, I mean, literally, we're finishing up last season, which should have ended in June. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, last season, the 2019-2020 season actually started almost a year ago from today. It started mm-hmm. October 19th. So, yeah, that just goes to show um, how far COVID pushed things. That's crazy. Crazy, crazy. Speaking of, the third event that happened on Sunday. Uh one being one being your baby, two being my baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um just something I want to touch on a little bit. Um Dak Prescott uh suffered a gruesome oh, injury. Uh as for someone who has literally broken my ankle and tibia at the same time and and on the uh, like to see it happen to him as he got rolled up, like I could see the 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 pain in that man's face. And I'm not just talking the physical pain, like the mental anguish that he was going through. I could just imagine where his brain was during that whole time. Like as they put him on the on the cart and they were rolling him out, and you could see tears pouring down his eye. I honestly don't think that's super tears of pain. Cause if you've ever broken a limb, I believe you have as well. Frank, like I remember in middle school, yeah, I yeah, broke I both my arms in the same year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, but if you ever like it hurts, but your adrenaline is running so bad, like so fast, like you necessarily don't feel the pain until later on that day after they set it and everything. That's when the swelling starts, all the meds, like when the adrenaline runs away, that's when you feel it. So I can tell you, or at least from my perspective, those tears running down his face had more to do with what he stood for with that star on his, on his, on his chest and, and, and his Jersey and everything he really carried himself as. I think that's really what we saw on him. Everything he put himself through to get to that point could all be gone because he gambled on himself. He did not sign the deal. They kept trying to throw at him. He, they franchise tagged him twice. This is the second year in a row. He was franchise tagged. 
And he has no, like his future is uncertain right now. And I can imagine how crazy that shit is. One, I saw the injury by accident. I wasn't watching the game. I just saw his name was trending. I didn't know what exactly was trending for. And then somebody posted the video. Normally when these athletes suffer career ending injuries like that, especially when it's a gruesome break, I try to avoid it. Um, it's hard to look at. And, but in this case, I end up seeing it and it, yeah, it was, it was horrible. I feel sorry for him. And one of the first thoughts that went through my mind was like, damn, Jerry Jones is going to use this as leverage to not pay him that money he's actually earned. And I thought that was fucked up, but I mean, I do feel his career is going to continue. I mean, technology with medicine has come a long way. Um, if Willis McGahee can get put back together and have an NFL career, I believe Dak can do the same, along with some other athletes who suffered, I mean, terrible, terrible injuries. So I do believe he's going to come back to football. However, I do think this is going to be used as leverage to say, well, we don't know if you're actually worth that money because of what happened to you. You might not be the same guy. And it's like, the thing is with sports, um, it's a business and people don't pay, they pay you for your potential. So if you go out there and I mean, you put up record numbers week in, week out and something like this happens, they're not going to say, well, we're going to give you back pay for all those times you you know, lit up the scoreboard. They're going to say, well, you got hurt. We don't know if you can light up the scoreboard like that again. If you were healthy and we had a good idea that you can probably light up the scoreboard, we're going to throw all the money in the world at you. But since we don't know this and you might come back half-stepping, we can't give you that money. And that's just how it is. Going back to basketball, though, that's one of the things that speaks volumes about the Lakers organization. Because when Kobe suffered his, I want to say he suffered an injury or at the tail end of his career, they gave him a nice contract. And a lot of people thought the Lakers were stupid for doing so. But a lot of people saw it as they were giving him the respect he's earned because he's put in work for over 20. At the, by the time he retired, it was 20 years. But at the time of that contract, it's like he's put in work for years and years. He's won multiple championships although he may not be as productive as he was those previous years y'all still owe him for the work that he's put in and that's also what they were paying him for is also what he brought to the organization kobe was the lakers yeah still is yeah still is even with lebron there still is um he's always going to be the lakers though he is that yeah i don't think if he can take that mantle from magic johnson then it ain't going nowhere like agreed agreed and i get the there the stadium the 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 staples center is sold out for for years to come but what kobe brought to that organization the eyes it brought to that organization because i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna be honest during our 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 low points we weren't on tv that much i worked hard to watch laker games like I had to go get a special package just so I could watch specific Laker games. Lakers in Utah. Hey, you know, <laughs> and if they weren't showing it, you know, I had to go to the little, to the little illegal streaming sites and, and watch the Laker game. Close this pop up, close this pop up, close this pop up. Uh Oh, I don't want a virus. Close this pop up. Like you do what you got to do. So yeah. Like it's it's harder to get, so I understand why they they made sure they 
they kept him around and paid him as as such. And I, I like honestly as a as a fan, I'm glad they did. Kobe was a lifer. He stayed a Laker for life. As a fan of the game, you like to see when teams take care of their legends and the legends can retire wearing the jersey that that they wore when they made a name for themselves. Right. Unlike, and it doesn't the... Yeah, it hurt to see Wade go to uh Chicago and Cleveland. That hurt. That hurt a lot. I mean, it was nice to see him come back, but man, to see him in the Cleveland, especially a Cleveland jersey, my God, that was bad. Wow. Wow. And once again, Frank hits us with his Cleveland hate. Yes. I'm going to do it every chance I get. Have you been to Cleveland? Why? <laughs> we do this every every episode now. Um, you know what's funny? Uh, sidebar, real quick. Uh, uh, Anthony just tagged us in Joe Kim Noah talking trash about Cleveland. Like, literally just now. Uh, and we'll, we'll take a look at it later. But... Um, <laughs> that's crazy that that's now a part <laughs> that's now a part of the that's like identity of the podcast now is your Cleveland hate but uh, nah man um, I, I just want to send send Dak some well wishes um, he's not he's not on my team like I mean I, I hate to see everything that, that he that he was going through right now because he gambled on himself um, they franchise tagged him they and he took a lot of flack when Jerry was like, Oh, my team not my team not taking anybody who taking the knee, whatever, whatever. And he was still the, the black face of the franchise, still going out there, answering all those questions. Like he put it on for the team. And I feel like they even though they say they will they're gonna re-sign him next year, uh, I feel like they're not gonna put on for him. And I hate that because he's already been to more playoff games than their previous quarterback, Tony Romo, has ever. He's already won more than Romo has, playoff games-wise. So he's already put them in better positions than he had ever been in a long, in 20-plus years. i seen a graphic recently, and they talked about the last um, quarterbacks that Dallas had. And out of the last several quarterbacks that they have dating back to Troy Aikman, none of them has had a better start wearing a Dallas jersey than he has. I mean, I hope they do take care of him. I would like to see these guys go and have nice, long, fruitful careers. But at the same time, like you said, it's a business and people get screwed over at the end of the day sometimes. And I hope he, I just hope he's not one of them. I hope they take care of him. No, nah, true enough, true enough. So recently, there have been a lot of talks about opening up the multiverse for Marvel and DC in their films and, you know, their cinematic universes. Uh, and if you're a fan of superhero movies, you know, especially coming after this Marvel infinity saga that we've all been on for the last 10 years, you know, we love connectivity. We love for our movies to connect and connect back to all these different things. So it feels like it's building towards something. And the answer to opening it up more is now the multiverse. And the multiverse is a simple concept. It's the fact that there are multiple universes and there can be multiple Supermans in the multiverse and multiple Ironmans in the multiverse or Spider-Mans or whatever. So recently this summer, DC announced that both Ben Affleck and the OG 1989 Batman, Michael Keaton, would both be returning as their versions of Bruce Wayne for the new Flash movie. 
Now, Flash is going to be the movie that opens up the DC's multiverse with whatever, you know, thing they're they're creating on that side. So, recently, we've been told that the the WandaVision movie and the Doctor Strange 2 movie is supposed to help expand DC, uh, not DC, it's supposed to help expand Marvel's universe, multiverse. And now the newest information is that OG Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, the second Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, will now be joining Tom Holland in the Spider-Man 3 movie. Now, this is just a heavy rumor, right? It's just a heavy rumor. But the fact that Jamie Foxx has already, has already signed to this movie as, as Electro to, to reprise that role from a previous generation's Spider-Man, it's, it's, it's given all indications that it's, it's all three Spider-Man are, are going to be in this movie. There's even rumors that they've already, that they've already, uh, they've already cast Miles Morales and we don't even know. This year would have been a great year that would have fed into the, the multiverse rumors because this year we would have gotten um, Morbius, which is a Spider-Man villain. Now, if you were to look up the Morbius trailers on YouTube, you would notice there's a cameo of a certain character that they show in prison. That character is the Vulture, which Michael Keaton played in the MCU's version of Spider-Man. So now, if this character who is Vulture, a, a Spider-Man villain, if he's sharing screen time with Morbius, which is a Sony movie, it would lead to believe that this is their long-term plan of bringing in uh, the MCU Spider-Man with the Sony Spider-Man, which would also be on brand for the comic universe in general, especially when it comes to Spider-Man. Any Spider-Man fan knows there are several Spider-Mans. Not only are there multiple Peter Parkers, there's different types of Spider-Mans, like you mentioned Miles Morales earlier, which the MCU has also hinted that he exists because his uncle is played by Donald Glover. Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino, who then becomes the villain Prowler. Like in Sony's movie Into the Spider-Verse, they introduce all the different Spider-Mans in that movie, and it, it was a beautifully done movie. So them creating this multiverse, I think, would be such a dope way to pass the mantle of what Marvel has created with Spider-Man and merging it with the work they did for Spider-Man. So it's not them throwing everything they did into the wind. It's not them throwing all the work they did with Tobey Maguire into the wind. It's not them throwing all the work they did with, help me out, what's the second Spider-Man's name? Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield to the wind. By them doing this, you bring those guys back into the fold and it doesn't look like you had to restart a franchise over and over and over again. It just looks like the bigger picture of you building towards something. At the end of those Andrew Garfield movies, they hinted that they were going to work on a Sinister Six film. By them starting this multiverse back, you re, you breathe new life into that, into that idea. So now you have Jamie Foxx uh, reprising his role of Electro. You have the movie Morbius coming out. You have Vulture, I believe, already introduced. You have Mysterio, Dr. Octopus, already introduced. So you have so many of the... You already have the Sandman introduced. 
so you have so many Spider-Man villains that's already brought into the fold and the fans have already been introduced to him. I don't think Doc Ock is going to show up because the, the actor who played him passed away. Um, but, okay, well, the character on screen exists. If somebody else right. reprises, not reprises, somebody else takes on the mantle of Doc Ock, it still wouldn't be too far-fetched. And again, the, Ock, the villain Doc Ock appeared in the Tobey Maguire movies, which were so long ago. So if they were to bring it back with the new actor, it wouldn't be that hard to digest. Here's, here's why I think it works for them. Because of the fact that it's a multiverse now, you can have another person play Doc Ock. You know what I mean? Like the Doc Ock of, of Andrew Garfield's universe or the Doc Ock of, of Tom Holland's Spider-Man universe. Like he doesn't have to be, like I think the best part of this is to include the entire fandom. You know what I mean? And so there isn't like, oh, well, this is my Spider-Man or for, for as a DC person, this is my Batman. Because right now there are, with Keaton back and Affleck back, and we also have Robert Pattinson in, a, in his own universe doing his Batman, they all can now coexist. Because DC has already built that even their TV shows coexist in the same multiverse already when the movie Flash met the TV Flash on an episode. So this has already been building. And I, I just like what they're doing because as comic book fans and, and superhero movie fans and TV shows, Yo, we we love our shit to connect. There's nothing right. like seeing your, like, I would love to see Christian Bale just walk out in his full Dark Knight, uh, a full Dark Knight Batman uniform and just go out there and do what he needs to do. Like, because th that's my Batman. So I understand why that would make me super geeked into the next film because, hey, I feel seen. You feel me? So right. I think this... I think these concepts are, are are super dope. I think it's going to bring in a lot more fans. And I know for for Phase Four, I'm sure this is going to play a major part in what happens moving forward. But if that's if this movie with all three Spider Mans is true, plus a rumored Miles Morales, man, man, I'm, you're going to talk about breaking all the records. I guarantee you, if that happens, that's going to break records. Look at it from this point. Tom Holland is on contract to do, I believe, another two or three movies in the MCU. It's also rumored that he's going to reprise his role as Spider-Man with Sony. So this is a seamless way to get out those two to three movies and then move him over to Sony where he can continue this role. And it makes sense because you understand there's multiple Spider-Mans. It's not like, hey, they have to start over with Tom Holland. You can keep the same guy. Not only that, what if there's a deal where it's like, okay, Tom Holland, you, as Tom Holland, your contract is over. However, we still have paperwork saying we could still use Spider-Man, but we just can't use your, the Peter Parker you play. The Spider-Man we can use now is Miles Morales. So there's still, there will still be a Spider-Man in the MCU but it just won't be you. You will go ahead, you will go on to greener pastures and do your thing there. We'll introduce a Miles Morales. We already have the Miles Morales villain already introduced. Donald Glover is there. I highly doubt they grabbed a, an actor of his caliber to give him four lines in a movie and never use him again. I'm pretty sure they'll figure out something else to do with him. So I think it's a... Uh, that's probably why that deal took so long when 
we was wondering if the MCU would continue to use Spider-Man or not. And signing that agreement took a little bit longer than what a lot of people anticipated. This is probably why, because they were like, hey, look, if we're going to do this, let's go big or go home. Let's figure out a way where we can really tie everything up together. We can set you guys up to really build on this Spider-Man franchise and carry on the work that we've done in the MCU. And then we can really figure out how we can hand him over neatly where it doesn't look like we just dumped him on you. You know what I mean? So, or, or you just stole him from us after we did. Right. 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 And then, um, like you mentioned earlier, um, this multiverse thing theme can, can affect the MCU in so many different ways because with the birth of the, uh, the multiverse, you can also introduce other characters and other franchises. Like recently, um, the X-Men has, in the comic book world, the X-Men have gotten a new facelift. So the typical story that we were used to of the X-Men has changed a lot in the latest rendition of the X-Men, uh, House of X. If they were to introduce the multiverse, you can introduce that version of the X-Men. And the reason I say that is because Fox already had their version of the X-Men that people are familiar with. And they pretty much told uh, some of the biggest story in the X-Men universe. They told the stories of Days of Future Past. They told the story of Age of the Apocalypse. And they also told the story with the Phoenix. So again, you would want to bring something to the screen that's worth watching. If they already told those huge stories, what exactly are you going to bring to the table that gets people to say, ooh, I want to see that? Now, in the House of X, Power of X story, it's it's brought in such a way where it'll address those past events, but also set up a future that hasn't been lived yet. So if Marvel can bring that in It'll explain those stories that happened with Fox are legitimate X-Men stories. And that was part of a particular timeline that no longer exists. Or a different universe. Or a different universe. universe. Right. Or, not or, no longer exists. It was part of a different universe. And now due to, I don't want to give too much away, but due to a certain event that took place, now it's going down a new timeline that hasn't been explained yet or told yet. So now you get the characters that people love and are familiar with, but you get to share a story that has not been told on screen. So I think um, this multiverse direction for um, the MCU and Sony would be, it would be dope. And I think beneficial for not only them as a business, but us as a fans of forgetting new stories and seeing our favorite actors reprise their roles that we fell in love with and then continue to grow. Before we move on to our next segment, one of our listeners sent this text to me. I literally, I literally can do a podcast drinking game with you and Frank. And I said, okay. I laughed. I said, okay, what are the buzzwords? She said, take a shot every time Frank says honestly and but again and chug every time Marvin says it is what it is, and 100%. <laughs> hey, your friend, in the most friendly way. <laughs> Honestly, fuck her. <laughs> I believe this right in the podcast. She can. Um, I just think it, it was just funny because I was like, 
damn, because once it was said, I was like, yo, we do say all of those things a lot. So I've yeah, been trying real hard. the episode now. Honestly, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> No, but she's oh, right. Soon as soon as she said, as soon as you repeated those words, I was like, "Fuck, those are verbal crutches of mine." I can't say <laughs> shit. She got me. Yeah, man. Every time we've ended a segment, I don't say, "All right, man, it is what it is." Like just to close out shit, <laughs> working real hard. I'm working to agree with you. We're just saying agreed and not uh, not 100, 100. I, I agree yeah, with one hundred percent. And I'm probably gonna find a new verbal crutch now. <laughs> Because so, truthfully, I can't say the other word anymore. So, earlier this week, uh, uh, Donald Trump's spokesperson, Katrina Pearson, thanked Ice Cube for his assistance with the Platinum Plan. The Platinum Plan being the, the Trump campaign's promises to Black people. As we've spoken about on this podcast, this is dream-selling season. Cube in the past has spoken out against Donald Trump. Even in 2018, he dropped a, a song called Arrest the President. As an artist, he has been very loud with his critiques of white supremacy, racism, something that we all know Donald Trump really stokes and stirs the pot in all the time. So many were shocked to find out that Ice Cube sat down with the president, or at least the president's team, to contribute to the platinum plan, which sounds like such a thing. Like, it sounds like an episode of the boondocks that, that the, the guy who, who wants the black vote called it the platinum plan because black people love platinum. Honestly, it sounds like a bad joke written in 2000. Yeah, you're right. It sounds like some out of a boondocks episode. I think one of the things that, that threw people off the most is that, we heard it from a Trump spokesperson that Ice Cube had sat down with them and not from Ice Cube. Because I necessarily don't think Ice Cube was all about publicizing that he was even a part of the situation. Because right. literally, I'm assuming this had happened weeks ago because the Platinum Plan is, was announced a long time ago. And that, well, not, let me not even, let me rephrase. <laughs> the Platinum Plan was announced a couple weeks ago. Uh, and here comes Ice Cube, and you know, like like Cube does, he probably didn't want to politicize it, but he wasn't gonna run away from it when people started coming at him about it. Right. Ice Cube tweeted out earlier this week: "Black progress is a bipartisan issue. When we created the contract with Black America, we expected to talk to both sides of the aisle. Talking truth to power is part of the process." I don't disagree with what he's saying. Black progress is a bipartisan issue. It's a issue that is to the root of this country. So it's everybody's fucking issue, regardless of you're Democrat or Republican. Now, many criticize Ice Cube for, for sitting down with Trump because you're one of the, you're, you're a main, he's a main proponent of, you know, fuck Trump and all this other shit. So I understand his position and what he's trying to do. I'm not, I'm not upset with Ice Cube for getting in the game. I'm, I don't think he sat down with the right players. And I'm not talking about the, the Republican Party. I'm talking about this particular presidency who goes out of it, who's from the beginning, stoking the fires, making sure that the, the racial tension between Blacks, White, Hispanics is the true divisive force in this country. This is what this presidency, this is what this particular president has worked really hard to make sure it's always maintained, which is why I don't believe anything 
that that this particular president says, I, I, regardless. And I, I, I understand why people feel a way about Ice Cube, but what's your take on it? Okay, so it's a lot. Um, I understand where Cube is coming from, where he feels, you know, these issues are a bipartisan issue. Um, I don't fault him for that. What I do think, though, is... And it's not just him. Other people do it too. I believe Puffy is someone else who, who mentioned something along the lines of holding the vote hostage when, when it's down to two candidates. If, you, if these celebrities really feel this way, why don't you find a candidate early on that you can rally behind, someone that can stand firm behind your issues, and you promote that person instead of saying, okay, well, I'm going to wait till there's just two horses in the race and then hold my vote. Because when it's those last two horses in a race and you don't really like either one of them, where does that really put you? You know, find someone who support the causes you do, someone you actually like, and then try to help that person get to the top and then work from there. And it's, it's, it appears that nobody cares about politics until it's the last two horses in a race. Um, but going back to what Ice Cube did, um, again, he said he wanted... Go ahead. Let me jump in real, right here. Go ahead. Um, as you said, the last two horses in the race. One thing I said on this podcast, and I've said to you in personal conversations, a two-party democracy is not a democracy. You literally, it's it's a 50-50 choice. Like, it's either this guy or that guy. So I understand, I understand why people feel a way. Right. But go ahead. In this case... Ice Cube said he wanted to speak to both sides. I believe that Trump representative put him in a really tough spot and it makes him appear as if he's supporting the Trump campaign. I believe Trump granting him an audience was a, 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 a strategic place. Yeah, he was being mm-hmm. used. Saying, hey, you know, come, yeah, we'll talk to you. We'll hear you out. At the end, on his way out, they send out a message, hey, thank you, Ice Cube, for meeting with us and blah, 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 blah. So now... The optics are, hey, you're working with these people when that wasn't his agenda at all. He came in with his own agenda. The contract for the contract with Black America, the CWBA. CWBA. He came in with that agenda. And I'm pretty sure whatever. I take that back. He came in with his own agenda. They heard him out. They probably didn't have whether they had intentions to implement it or not. We don't know. The only thing we do know is that they said, hey, thank you for coming by. And we know what image that leaves when you don't know all the details. It leaves that the image of, hey, he's working with them. So now they know how well respected he is in the black community. And they figure that, hey, if we have somebody of this caliber on our side, that may sway some voters our way. Um, I don't know if they anticipated the backlash he would get it for meeting with Trump, and I'm pretty sure at this point they don't care because oh, any publicity I'm, is good publicity. I'm sure they knew because here's here's an example. Days after he becomes president, Steve Harvey went and met with him. Steve Harvey hit with nothing but backlash. The man who shall not be named on this podcast has called him. He even said he's like my dad. Like just being associated with this man has caused us to question this particular man's whole identity from what he presented to us all the years prior to this, right? 
So they were fully, when I say they, I'm not talking Ice Cube's people. I'm talking the Trump campaign were fully aware of how it would look on him. But what they were banking on was if someone of this caliber who could be like, fuck Trump, the, the, the president needs to be arrested, could come sit down with us and do business. And now, not on top of that, they include some of his initiatives in into the platinum plan. Oh, that's what they want. That's what they want. Now, the whole, you know, the platinum plan is to, to help uh, bridge the, the financial gap between, you know, with black Americans and, you know, those who are above us when it comes to money. So as as that is as that is being talked about and they're promising what is it like 600 billion which honestly five if it's 500 billion yeah regardless not even enough of reparations for what we did for like honestly like there's scholars who have already projected how much it would take to pay us back that 500 billion means nothing especially to a campaign this campaign who's just doing it now like money <clears throat> Bro, you've already been president. <laughs> I'm gonna keep all that too. Bro, you've already been president three and a half years. Our betterment hasn't been important to you at all. Matter of fact, you've put us in a worse spot a majority of the way. Dude, I don't, I don't, I, there's nothing that you can say that would make me trust you. You right. haven't done it now. You're only using this now because you want to just trickle off a little bit of votes. It's funny that you mentioned um, implementing you know, what Ice Cube worked on into the Platinum Plan, because that's not the case at all. Um, listen to the interview with Ice Cube and Roland Martin. And Roland Martin, if you haven't listened to his show, that man does his homework. He's pretty much on point, damn that 99.9% of the time. And in this interview uh, with Ice Cube, he basically asked them, Okay, what does your plan consist of? What does the platinum plan consist of as you, what you've come to know it to be? Ice Cube couldn't answer those questions. So Roland Martin started to read off what the platinum plan was. And basically the platinum plan is a one page paper of just broad statements. Promises. Right. Large, you know, broad promises. Five, yeah, 500 billion to, you know, minority businesses. Where is this money coming from? How are the businesses are going to gain access to it? It even had something about venture capitalists. The government and venture, venture capitalists don't necessarily mix. You know, that's a private entity. The government doesn't control that money. So that's an empty promise out the gate. Um, and they were comparing it to Biden's plan. And what Roland Martin was basically saying is, look, Biden put together a 22-page plan that has some detail in it. So you can somewhat, you can get a better understanding how they're going to make this happen. Where are these funds is going to come from? How are these programs going to work? Whereas with this platinum plan, you don't have that. And the things that Ice Cube was fighting for have are, are actually being fought for by another entity, the Black Congressional Caucus. And some of the things that are in Ice Cube's plans are things that's already been passed, you know, through the, the, the House of Representatives, but it's just sitting on the Senate's desk. That's why they aren't laws yet. And I say that to say this, it's, it's, it's interesting to see celebrities wanting to you know, dive into politics more and want to help out their people. But at the same time, I find it interesting that 
there's already people doing this work and I've, I've haven't heard too many stories to be honest with me personally, I haven't heard any story of a celebrity saying, Hey, you know what? I'm going to lend my celebrity to this organization and help bring awareness to the causes that they're fighting for. Instead, these celebrities say, Hey, well, we need to do something. I'm going to do this. And it's like, well, how far do you think? I understand you're a celebrity. You have a ton of influence, but how far do you think you're going to get fighting this fight in, a, in an arena you're not familiar with? Uh, agreed. Agreed. But the CWBC that, that Ice Cube presented to them was put together by, by scholars and, and experts in the field of, of closing the, the financial gap for Black people. So... I was listening to the band Lathan earlier today where they talked about this particular issue and Van brought up a point that I think you and it, it was adjacent to a point you and I have both spoken about on this podcast. Um, in our generation over the last 30, 40 years, we don't have a person, a, a hero per se, who, who is an intellectual in our, in for the black community. We don't, we don't have, a Martin Luther King. We don't have a Malcolm X. Van Lathan also said that, you know, we don't give those guys enough credit because they were geniuses. We don't have that. When, when black people talk about, like if you were to ask a group of kids, you know, who's a black, like a, a black hero you aspire to be, they're going to name you a musician, uh, an actor, a basketball player, and you might get a couple businessmen thrown in there. But that's about it. That's yeah. about it. And, and, and honestly, some of the businessmen might just be the musician or the actor or the basketball player or the football player. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And right entertainer now, that wears multiple hats. Right. So right now we don't have that. And, and a, a thing that was brought up on that, on that podcast was that right now, America in general, not just black people, but America in general, we don't put enough, we don't put enough credit on the on the intellectual person anymore. Like we don't we don't we don't give that that like the the genius that Martin Luther King was could not be praised in 2020 because that's not what we look at as an achievement. Like right. we there was like we literally are listening to the president say don't listen to the doctor. There's no reason why we should be listening to to Donald Trump over Dr. Fauci, who's an expert in this field, who is appointed to make sure that all this shit doesn't happen. Like, there should be no reason why any other news, like, I should, we shouldn't have to hear from anybody else but Dr. Fauci. You know what I mean? We don't right. put enough, we don't put enough, we don't put enough credit to that type of person anymore. And I think America has to shift it, that's just our culture, period. I'm talking the American culture has to shift to giving those people back their credit because I don't think we're doing that. Um, for example, he also brought up Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian, with the prison reform, she's like trying to be the face of prison reform. But I guarantee you with all the stuff that she's going up there with, she has a, a real deal lawyer and expert helping write all those things. You know what I mean? So honestly, like you said earlier, why don't these celebrities who, who want to get into the into the political because you should use your cachet i'm not saying that i'm not telling you to stay in your lane but help bring light to somebody else and let them be the face 
and you can be the guy standing on the side if that's if that if you just want to see the work get done and you don't want a bunch of credit and all this other stuff something you could put on your wikipedia page and more to your bio to add to your to your to your headstone when you pass away god forbid in the you know next couple years like honestly stand behind that person and let them work and i think we need more of that and i agree with you i feel that there's absolutely nothing wrong with collaborative efforts. And I think a lot of people get married to the idea that they have to be the one to do something or they have to be, all efforts have to come from one entity for that person to be respected in a sense. And I don't, I don't subscribe to that way of thinking. Um, much like with everything else, there are roles to be played. There, there are people who thrive in certain actions and come up short in others, whereas those people, whereas there's other people that strive in, you know, the actions that person A came up short in, and where they come up short, person A thrived in. You get what I'm saying? In this case, like with Kim Kardashian, you mentioned, you know, she uses her celebrity, but she's carrying out the message of somebody else to accomplish a common goal. They want prison reform. They want to release these people who've been wrongfully convicted. So they use her to garner attention to their arguments to get this person released, and it's worked. In this case, um, the celebrities who wish to get into politics, like Ice Cube is doing, Puffy has recently mentioned that he's starting a political party you have people on the ground, you have boots on the ground that are doing these things or trying to accomplish the goals you're, you're looking to accomplish, but they don't have your celebrities. They don't have nobody that can amplify their voice and, and give them the platform to eloquently speak on the things they're doing for Black people. And Puffy, I mean, you have a whole network. I don't, from someone way on the outside looking in, I don't see why aren't you elevating these people and just giving them a platform? You know what I mean? I'm not saying give them a daytime talk show or anything, but just make it available where they can speak freely and thoroughly explain like, look, this is how I'm helping, you know, our people. And again, their strength in numbers. If we're scattered and you have this person fighting for these few causes and you have this group fighting for these causes, it's not going to do us any good. It would benefit us way more if everybody comes together. And yes, everybody's going to have their separate ideas, but if we can filter it down to something that we can attack now, attack later, and attack down the line, then let's do that. We're not going to get everything we want in one, in one swoop. We have to be strategic about it. We have to work together. And I don't think as a people, we're doing a good job of doing that. I think we're kind of scattered all over the place and it's, it's hindering us as a people. I mean, again, a lot of the stuff that our black celebrity leaders are asking for are things that the black common people are asking for. And we have black common people in political spaces fighting for these things, but they have no engine behind them that's pushing them. If these celebrities were to be that engine, I think a lot of those things that we're fighting for could get done. If we had these black celebrities putting pressure on these politicians 
on the Senate level saying, hey, why aren't you reading the documents we put in front of you? You're not doing your job. I'm going to ask my uh, fans and people who support me in your that are your constituents to not support you because you're not listening to the people. You're not listening to, to what we need. And I think that would change things. But until we have something like that in effect, this is going to be a, a never-ending storyline with us. And when I say us, I mean Black people. Like I said, I don't fault Ice Cube for working to get something done. Use your cachet to do that. Like I said, I don't mind him getting into the game. I just don't like the person he... I don't like the the players he sat down with. And this, like, I, I want to be clear. I work and have and do business with plenty of people who I might not necessarily, they, they, they might not be my homeboy. We might not go hang out or all of that, but we're here for business. You don't have to like everybody you do business with. If you're going to, if you guys, you're understanding he doesn't, he, he has to get something from you, but you want something from him. There's an exchange there. I'm not saying he shouldn't sit down with Republicans because that's ridiculous. What I'm saying is this particular president and presidency, this particular cabinet, they don't give, they, they have shown us very clearly when it comes to black people, minority people, they don't care. The 500 billion that they promised in the platinum plan, I guarantee never happens. Why? Because, and it's still nothing compared to what they owe black people, but there's a whole chunk of their base that would go ape shit if they gave out that type of money to black people. I'll say this before we wrap this up. And I just want to be clear. I don't fault Ice Cube. He's just doing what he feel is best for his people. Um, earlier you mentioned, you know, you've done business with people that you might not have necessarily been the best of friends with. However, whatever goal you and that person was trying to accomplish was a mutual beneficial goal. In this case, I don't believe it's a mutual beneficial goal with what Ice Cube is trying to accomplish in the Trump administration. On top of that, this is the same administration that said it's, it's, I believe they said it's racist to have racial equality training or racial sensitivity training. Yep. So he said you, that right in his, he said that right in the, at the presidential debate. Thank you. So do you really think a person who believes it's racist to have racial sensitivity training agree to make a plan specifically for a group of people? It contradicts what he believes in. There's no way he's going to say racial sensitivity is racist, then turn around and say, you know what, we're going to give all this money to black people because they've been disenfranchised. What sense does that make? It's, it's, it's contradictory. On that note, do you have anything else you want to bring to the table, man? Nah, man, we're good. I think this was a good one. I'm happy to be back and doing this with you. All right, then. So, ladies and gentlemen, and all those in between and outside of those constructs, this has been another episode of the Samurai Professionals Podcast. I'm your host, Marvin, and the man to the right of me can only be... Frank. You can email us at the Samurai Professional Podcast at Gmail, or you can hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at the Samurai Pros. Hit us up with any comments, questions, or even topic suggestions. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at I Can Only Be Frank. And where can they find you, Marvin? You can find me at Marvin X Adams on both Instagram and Twitter. This has been another episode of the Samurai Professionals Podcast. Peace. Peace.
Peace.